We're getting ready for week 17 of NFL action on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the Roto-Viz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We are two of the owners here at Rotoviz, and we are fired up because it is championship week. We have some teams playing in some large contests. We're going to do a little bit of a vanity project here today, if you will, as we talk about those teams, some, which I think is fine. You know, hopefully our listeners have a lot of overlap with these players that have gotten to us to the point where these teams stand now. I'm looking forward to it. I'm fired up, Curtis. I know that you are as well. How are you doing? What do you mean it's fine? It's our damn show, Dave. <laughs> if we want to do a vanity project, we're going to do it. We've been doing this three times a week for 17 weeks. Um, we're going to talk about some of our players. That's what we're going to do. And the listeners are going to like it. Um, I, I am so fired up, man. I thought it would be really hard uh, for me personally to be able to top the amount of energy uh, and just really exuberance I had about championship week last year. Um, you know, Sean and I had a team that was super live in the FFPC main um, climbed all the way up to third place actually during um, you know, the final week. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, it was just an amazing feeling all week and, and thinking about the start sits. I'm a little bit more relaxed though this week because the teams that we have, and not just my own, but across the rest of the ownership uh, team, it's our best ball squads that are uh, yeah. smashing this year. And so the start sit element is totally gone. And we're just, you know, hoping for the, hoping for that one time uh, situation. And so um, at least the element of pressure is gone. And it's just, you know, all, all the possibility. It is a sweat that seems to be taking all week. And, you know, with no Thursday night football this week, uh, you know, the, the start sit would have been even more, I think, torture, uh, torturous. So, um, that's a good thing. You know, we've been on a little bit of a roll here on the show lately, Dave, um, actually me pairing a bourbon with a breakout performance by a player. Uh, we had the Buffalo trace and Josh Allen just lighting the scoreboard ablaze a couple weeks ago. And then we went with the Eagle rare and Jalen hurts was overall QB one. So tonight I'm just going with rare breed, Wild Turkey rare breed because that's that's what it's going to take this week for somebody on team Rotoviz to take down you know one of these big ships. It's just going to take one of those rare weeks uh from those rare uh players and yeah, let let's get let's get into this man because um I I'm just I'm just daydreaming constantly uh this week and it will help to be able to talk it through with you. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about before we oh, get into our teams. <laughs> That's nice. a good bourbon, by the way. Wild Turkey Rare Breed. Uh, it's a barrel proof, 116.8 proof. Um, for you bourbon fans out there, go pick up a bottle. You won't regret it. <laughs> okay. All right. Proceed. All right. So before we talk about our teams, I want to toss out two nuggets here that uh, came up hmm. while I was writing my um, wide receiver cornerback matchup article this week i know that some of you out there in redraft leagues maybe even a dynasty league are going to find yourself in that unfortunate situation 
where you are scrambling to get a player into your lineup for Sunday. It's unfortunate, but it happens this time of year. I am offering you a player very likely to be available in most leagues. I can't guarantee that this player smashes, but if you're looking for somebody with some upside that could put together a performance for you from a player that normally wouldn't have that much business being in your lineup, I'm going to offer up Nico Collins. Now, he's actually been Mm. usable in two of his last three games, put up 11.9 points against the Seahawks in week 11, or excuse me, not week 11, um, two weeks ago. Yes, week 14. Thank you. And then 12.3 against the uh, Chargers in recent games. So he will draw coverage from Ambry Thomas, who's filling in for Emmanuel Mosley. Uh, for the 49ers. Now, Thomas is allowing 9.8 points per game on direct targets, which is a pretty high amount. When I say direct targets, it means a target where there is a single corner on a wide receiver. And throughout um, his games, he's averaging 9.8 points per game on those targets. Now, I will be fair and say that Thomas has been put into coverage lately against a hard group of players that includes AJ Brown, Kyle Pitts, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, but in week 11 facing Marvin Jones, where he was locked in pretty significantly to Marvin Jones, Jones was able to turn all of his four targets into completions, put up 9.2 points. So when I go, when I look for these guys that uh, normally are on the outskirts that have a good matchup, not only with the team that they're playing against, um, like in totality how they match up, but also how they match up against the player that's going to be on them the most. This looks like a week that Nico Collins could come out of the woodwork and help propel you over the top. So that's a deep play, but nonetheless, Nico Collins. So as I normally do, Dave, um, I'm going to, I'm going to go over to the NFL stat explorer and, and see if there's anything to this. So, um, you know, he has put the production there. I I still think the role is a little bit questionable when you look at his uh, expected points per game trends. I mean, he's averaging just 7.4 receiving EP per game. Uh, that, that game against Seattle that you mentioned, he did have 19.2 EP. Uh, that was, that was top 12 wide receiver stuff. Um, that week. So really big role. That's of course, I, I believe that was the first, was that the first game that Brandon cooks missed? Uh, it, it may, yes. may have been. Um, and, and so, but it is nice to see that, you know, he also uh, put up double digit PPR in that game and the chargers game. So what's behind the matchup with the Niners? Um, you mentioned the individual, um, matchup. And, you know, I will say that the Niners have been one of the best uh, defenses to target for wide receivers specifically uh, within the passing game over the past five weeks. Yep. Uh, they've allowed the third most PPR to the position, the second most fantasy points over expectation to the position. Um, you know, and, and when we look at it in most of those weeks, a couple receivers have been able to uh, produce uh, meaningful uh, fantasy production. So going back to week 12 against Minnesota, uh, Adam Thielen put up 23.2 PPR with a pair of touchdowns. Justin Jefferson also put up 13.5, did not get into the end zone, but uh, posted a 483, uh, uh, 483-0 line on nine targets. And what's interesting about that is, you know, Jefferson being the primary target, Thielen being the one that posted the bigger game, that is similar to the dynamic you would expect for the Texans with Cooks being the primary receiver and Collins being the secondary. 
Um, then we look at Seattle versus San Francisco back in week 13. Uh, Tyler Lockett, 7681. Now Lockett really has been um, operating as the the alpha receiver in Seattle this year. Metcalf just hasn't been able to really string it together. But in that game, we actually saw three Seahawks post double digit PPR to your point. Um, you know, D Eskridge actually also uh, put up 12 and a half DK Metcalf put up 11 in that game. Then we go to week 14 against the Bengals. We had Jamar chase with one of his bigger games of the year, 25.3 PPR with the five seventy seven two line. T Higgins also went five for one fourteen, and then Tyler Boyd four for 55 um, and also had a rushing attempt in that game. Three Bengals receivers find their way to double digit PPR. Uh, then we go to weeks 15 and 16 where the depth maybe at the position was a little shakier um, against Atlanta. Russell Gage went eight ninety one one. The The second highest uh, receiver in that game was uh, uh, Olamid Zacchaeus, but uh, Kyle Pitts had some nice production. And of course he splits out wide. So, you, you know, our app doesn't pick that up because Pitts is listed as a tight end. And then you go to last week, AJ Brown just blew up and didn't really leave anything else for the rest of the receivers. So, you know, I, I go through those five games to say that really in each of those contests, save the Tennessee matchup, multiple receivers, in some case, in two of the five weeks, three receivers actually finding their way to uh, 10 plus PPR. So I think you offering up Nico Collins as a desperation flex play this week is totally appropriate. The one, the, the the qualifier behind all of this is, will the Niners be able to get out to a lead as they so often have been doing to create a game environment where the Texans do need to throw the ball? Uh, because we it doesn't look like we're going to have Jimmy G. So will Trey Lance look as just completely unprepared as he did earlier this season and t- totally raw? Or will it be enough between him and Elijah uh, Mitchell potentially coming back for that offense to really get out to an early lead and for the Texans to have to abandon Rex Burkhead and throw the ball? So a um, couple different ways this one could go. But with the 49ers being 12-point favorites, uh, I, I like the play. And, and you could certainly do worse than Nico Collins at Week 17. For sure. Yes, desperation play there. Now, you mentioned Russell Gage, and we have talked about Russell Gage fairly recently on the show, but I have to bring him up because he has a solid GLSP this week. That said, though, I am not sure that I would trot out Russell Gage unless I felt that I did not have any other options that I could put any faith in. He draws a very, very difficult matchup against the Bills this week. They are number two in threshold games across the last uh, nine weeks, so eight games. And what a threshold week is when I'm going through the uh, wide receiver cornerback uh, matchups and in the article, what I'm counting as a threshold game is a game in which a wide receiver puts up 10.0 or more PPR points. And so what I'm doing there is tracking and seeing how often teams allow these and how many they average or they allow on average per game. Bill's super competitive in this, which just makes sense. If you look at the list of players that they have in their secondary, easily one of the best in the league. Gage also scores poorly in the GPS Raider, um, which is another thing we like to look at. On a matchup basis, he's going to spend time against uh, Teron Johnson, who's allowing just 3.4 points per game on direct targets. That's very competitive. We'll also see some coverage from Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson. 
Um, they're allowing just 5.0 and 3.6 points per game on direct targets. So when I consider all of this, despite the fact that he scores well in the GLSP, which, you know, I put together, I look at it every week. I put a lot of faith in it. This is a time where I would fade it. So I just wanted to point this out to our listeners in this very pivotal week, because I can see on some teams gauge being the type of guy that you're thinking you can rely on to fill in for spots. Uh, if you have any COVID situations or anything else unexpected come up, but I do not like him as much this week as I may have in other weeks, especially in light of the fact that I highlighted him. I believe it was on uh, the Tuesday morning show. Yeah, we, we actually have talked quite a bit about um, gauge and spent several minutes on him earlier this week. And I see what I see what you're saying. Um, and I also think that a team that's considering starting Russell Gage probably has another suitable option. But if you're listening to Dave's warning shot across the bow and, and you're like, man, I got nobody else. Um, there is a little bit of hope. And so the bills have stacked up a lot of these really impressive stats. Um, and to their credit, they do have a very, very talented defense. They also have had the benefit of just a really attractive, uh, a really attractive collection of uh, opponents from uh, poor QBs, poor wide receiver play that it it's potentially noise, um, you know, within the sample. So over the past five weeks uh, in week 12, they got the Trevor uh, Simeon led saints um, with Ty Montgomery operating as the wide receiver one in that game. Nobody ha- hit threshold in week 12. Then in week 13, we had the crazy game in New England where there was like two passing attempts in the entire game. Um, there was actually only one wide receiver target in that game to Nelson Aguilar. In week 14, they played the Buccaneers, who obviously have a high-flying passing offense, and their wide receiver uh, trio threw up, and this is this is pre-Antonio Brown returning, uh, I would remind you the third most PPR at the position uh, for the week, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin both exploded for 20 plus PPR and Rashad Perriman also hit threshold at 12.8. But then in week 15, they get Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers. DJ Moore puts up 12.8 and Robbie Anderson, 9.2, nothing impressive, but at the same time, you know, Cam's playing a busted version of QB right now. And then last week they got the Patriots again, um, Jacoby Myers got just over threshold, uh, but you know, Mac Jones in the last month or so really actually since that week 13 Buffalo game has not, you know, been as productive, uh, or as efficient as he was a little bit earlier in the season. So, you know, again, it's a tough matchup, but game environment, um, and the fact that other than, other than Pitts and Patterson, I mean, these targets have to go somewhere. So Gage figures to be top three on the team in targets in a game that they're, they're dogs by almost two full, no, by more than two full touchdowns or 15 <laughs> or 14.5 wow. point dogs. You rarely see that in the NFL. So I think there, there are ways that Gage could have like a sloppy game um, and, and provide, you know, slightly better than replacement value PPR. Uh, so don't totally freak out. Um, but I, I, you know, after saying all of that, I agree with Dave, if you have another option, um, take it. Uh, but if it's a, a shallow bench or a, if it's a deep bench league and there's just nobody on waivers and, and you've been riddled by injury and you have no other options, I, I think there's reason to still hold out a little bit of hope for Gage this week. Fair enough. All right, Curtis, should we now talk about the players that are on 
are underdog teams vying for large sums of money here uh, that are that that reside on both of our teams. So you know where we overlap on the rosters. I'm assuming that listeners out there have these guys. Maybe they can get fired up like we do as we start to look through the results for these players coming out of the apps. And let's start with Joe Mixon, who's coming off a 31.5 point performance against Baltimore, has been an RB1 in 47% of games this season, ranks fourth in PPR per game, averaging 18.3 points. His GLSP this week puts him with an average of 12.9 points, 75th percentiles at 16.1. 40% of his comps went between 10 and 15. Um, 14% over uh, 15, less than 20, between 20 to 25, 12%, and then just uh, a measly 2% over 25. I know you're going to head into the Stat Explorer. Let me know how you're feeling about Joe Mixon. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we can expect another 30-plus point performance unless this game turns into a track meet and we just don't see the conversions from, you know, from Chase and Higgins. And, you know, we get, you know, a variance game where Mixon gets multiple carries from inside the five. Um, looking at the the best performances of the past five weeks, um, you did see Javante Williams blow up with the type of game that that Mixon is capable of 23 carries 102 yards, six receptions for 76 yards and a touchdown 29.8 PPR um, Mixon. I mean, that's a very Mixon S line in this version of the Bengals offense, but we also have a couple uglier games from Zeke Elliott and Josh Jacobs um, during that period. And then, you know, kind of the, the median output being Austin Eckler and Najee Harris, each putting up, you know, 16 and 18.2 PPR. So, I, I mean, I feel like that is the spectrum that we could see. I, I don't see Mixon totally whiffing here for obvious reasons. The Bengals are really clicking. The Chiefs, you know, should be able to uh, score and force that offense to keep moving and trucking. Um, but it's really just going to come down to what does the script look like? Um, and, and I think because Mixon is not coming off the field, um, you know, too much. And, and it really is operating as more of the bell cow. There is an opportunity really for him to get there in multiple ways. If, if the chiefs get out ahead and the Bengals are in trail mode, you know, maybe we do get that, uh, you know, we get that situation where he's getting five, six, five or six receptions. We saw even the deep completion from burrow to Mixon down the sideline, which was really exciting last week. That's one of the um, bigger highlights of the week. How often do you see a, a, a 40 plus yard target downfield for a running back? that catches it in perfect stride. Um, but then if the Bengals get up as well, you could see them really pounding it. Um, you know, it, it would probably lower the PPR ceiling, but it, you know, reinforces the fact that he's got a solid floor here in a game with a 51 point total. Um, so I'm excited about Mixon. I understand the trepidation from uh, the GLSP. Um, yeah. I, I, it's hard to imagine like, penciling him outside the top 12 running back. So, you know, the RB 17, I think is what uh, you pulled there. You know, I, I still think I view him as an RB one um, and, and he does have overall RB one upside this week, you know, in the right game environment. So I am pumped about him. He's a great player for us to be rooting for um, together because, you know, I think there's some exposure to Mixon, but I've even been clicking through a lot of these other top 160 uh, teams that I'm facing off against in an underdog. And I'm not seeing quite as much mixing as I would have expected. 
Yeah, that's actually interesting because um, I kind of saw the same thing. And that was one of the things that pushed me through last week was there was just not a lot of mix. And so him having that huge game was very impactful for me. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see where people value Mixon as we head into next season, because I think that this year you finally had him put together what people have been waiting for for a long time. A lot of sustained production didn't all come in one chunk. Uh, so exciting stuff there for Mixon. Brandon Cooks, who we mentioned earlier, uh, mm. should be back for us this week, Curtis. He ranks in at wide receiver 25 on the season, averaging 14.3 PPR per game. Has been a wide receiver one 29% of the time, wide receiver two 21% of the time. His best performance of the year actually came in week 15 against Jacksonville uh, with 29.2 points. His average GLSP this week in PPR puts him at 14.9 points, 75th percentile at 19.3. Gives him a nice range of outcomes there for him to do uh, to do well and have a big game. Actually, 22% of his matches going between 15 to 20, 12% between 20 to 25, and then 10% going for more than 25 Largest distribution does lie between 10 to 15 with 30% there. Uh, but that's actually a pretty encouraging um, overall GLSP there for Brandon Cooks. Uh, what do you make of him this week? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, you know, we've already talked a lot about this matchup between the Texans and the Niners as we cut up Nico Collins. But I, I guess what I'll go back to is the average line of the opposing uh, who who ended up being the opposing wide receiver one against yep. the Niners in the last five games. This is the average line, 10 targets, 7.2 receptions for 88.6 yards and 1.4 touchdowns for an average of 24.58 PPR. Um, and, you know, again, those names being uh, Thielen, Lockett, Chase, A.J. Brown, these are guys that you would expect to do well in a matchup, and they did well. 
Um, so as, as long as that 49ers defense doesn't really get to Davis Mills uh, and, and rattle him, I would expect Cooks to do what some of these other opposing studs did. And, you know, I really like his his uh, his upside this week. And I think it's more likely he's the one that gets there than Nico Collins. And uh, I, I'm definitely expecting, you know, one of those 20 you know, 20 point PPR type games. And I think he's going to find his way into each of our lineups on underdog this week, Dave. Yeah, I like it. Um, I do like this matchup for cooks overall. I like the direction that he's been heading in um, from going through the various tools and, and, and kind of breaking down the uh, wide receiver cornerback matchups as well. I'm feeling pretty good about that one. So hopefully a lot of the listeners out there have Brandon cooks. Cause I think he's going to pull through for us. Another player yeah, that I mean, we have last thing, last thing yep. that I'll add there. Uh, I mean, if, if the Texans indeed trail uh, for the majority of this game, I mean, cooks is wide receiver five. Is it wide receiver five? Did I look at that right? Uh, with a, a 28%. Yeah. He's wide receiver five on the year with a 28% uh, team target market share. So if they're trailing, they're going to be throwing the ball a lot. And he's, he's the guy that, I mean, only four receivers are seeing more, a higher percentage of their team's targets this season. Yeah. The other player that we both have on our squads, probably a player that resides on fewer rosters, uh, Kendrick Bourne. He actually makes 44 in PPR per game, has actually had 20% of his games this season uh, go for wide receiver one performances, uh, notably against New Orleans 21.6 in week three, put up 24.1 against Cleveland in week 10. And then against Tennessee had 23.1 in week 12 on the season, averaging 10.8 PPR points. It's basically where he comes out in the GLSP this week. Average GLSP of 11, 25th percentile is five and a half. 75th percentile is 17.2. Now his largest bucket this week is between five to 10 with 29% of his comps landing in that range. But he does have 14% going between 15 to 20 and 10% going between 20 to 25. Uh, This is a game though, that I think you would likely expect new England to be ahead in. Um, Now, does that take away some opportunities later in the game? Perhaps Uh, hopefully New England can come up firing, start things off uh, through the air and perform better than they have the last couple of weeks. As you talked about earlier, Mac Jones really hasn't been firing on all cylinders the last couple of weeks, Um, despite what we've talked about in the past about him having very good numbers for a rookie. Some of that is starting to catch up with him in terms of, you know, maybe regressing down to lower levels. So this is not a slam dunk for Kendrick Bourne. I think there's some hope As, as you look into this a little bit more. What do you think? Yeah, I, the game that that I've got circled that you would hope for uh, if you're rooting for a splash game from Bourne would be back in week 13 against the Los Angeles Rams. I mean, the Rams were also obviously heavy favorites against Jacksonville, um, but they were able to put up big numbers early before you know they went on cruise control. Uh, receivers in that game for the Rams, 17 receptions, 233 receiving yards, and three touchdowns. Um, and, you know, and I do think it's you know it's important. You know, if the Patriots do uh, still want to see, you know, the Belichick's famous for wanting to understand all the different types of ways his offensive his offense can operate, um, different types of ways to win games. Um, you know, I think they still obviously have playoff hopes and 
have they won a game on Mac Jones's arm yet? And I would say probably not uh, where they solely depended on it. So I could see them maybe airing it out. Jacksonville's absolutely decimated with COVID this week. Uh, the update I saw this morning, Dave, they only have 33 players on their active roster that are healthy enough to play. I mean, those are like that's a problem. Division four <laughs> high school numbers. Like yeah. they're literally going to be playing Ironman football on both sides. There's going to be people pulling double duty on special teams. It is absolutely nuts um, what Jacksonville is facing. Uh, range possible outcomes that game ha- actually has to be uh, adjusted or something like that um, if they can't field uh, a, a safe team. But I think that's what you're hoping for. Um, I don't expect that this will be you know a game where. Born cracks our lineup, but there is, you know, there's that outside possibility. Um, you know, if, if Bill wants to see, Hey, what, what can Mac Jones do against very little, <laughs> against very little, uh, pushback, uh, from, you know, I guess what I would expect to be very little pushback from the Jacksonville defense. But you know, the other things that we've seen over the course of the past five weeks, you know, Atlanta, Russell Gage got there. Nobody else did. Uh, against Tennessee, Julio Jones could only muster four a uh, line of four thirty three zero, and that was the top wide receiver output uh, against the Jags uh, in that week. And then the Jets, um, Braxton Berrios ended up scoring fifteen PPR and half PPR. I mean five thirty seven zero isn't going to get us there for Bourne. We're really going to need that touchdown. Um, so you know, I will say this too: like players like Bourne. Um, in best ball, like that is not a sexy pick at the beginning of the year um, whatsoever, but it's the type of pick that comes up big. Like, as you mentioned, I mean, three weeks with 20 plus this season, I mean, he was absolutely in your lineups in those weeks. And, you know, as a final round or, you know, final two to three round pick, um, especially in the, in a year where so many wide receivers, you know, missed a game or two either for COVID or, you know, minor injuries, you know, it really, it really matters. So, player and redraft, not as much value. Cause do you ever have the guts to start him? Um, but a fun best ball play. And it's nice to have seen him make the most of his opportunity, uh, changing places from San Francisco to new England this past season. Yeah. And, and I enjoy drafting guys that heading into the season are kind of in a nebulous situation where there's maybe three or four wide receivers that look like they could establish themselves and kind of take on one of the top roles there. Um, And then sometimes you don't even need that to happen for the duration of the season. You just need a stretch for them to become useful. Uh, The other note that I have on that game is it looks like a pretty solid week for Jacoby Myers. Uh, So Myers is another player that I think listeners could turn to turn to, you know, depending on the makeup of their teams. And then obviously, as you said, with the state of affairs right now, in terms of the number of players that Jacksonville has, that's going to make a lot of the Patriots players, you know, pretty solid options this week. And that brings us to a player that is probably not going to win things for us because he's going to be so widely rostered, but probably helps push us towards at least the you know 50th percentile or up in the pack here. And that's Mark Andrews. He is the number one overall tight end. Curtis started off with a dismal five point performance this year against the Raiders, but never looked back since then has been a tight end one in 67% of games or a tight end two in 27%. His only game in which he was not a tight end one or tight end two was that aforementioned week one game against the Raiders. If you go into the NFL stat explorer and you look at his rankings across the, uh, you know, common metrics, 
And then some of the air yard metrics, what have you, he's pretty much one or two in everything. This week, he comes in as the third highest projected scoring tight end in the GLSP with an average of 15.6 points at 25th percentile performance still puts him at 11 75th puts him at 20.3 his largest distribution lies between 10 to 20 points because 24% landed between 10 to 15 and then another 24% between 15 to 20 that's something that you like to see 18% of his matches went between 20 to 25 points and 10% went over 25 for a tight end, this is an absolutely fantastic projection. Uh, now, we will have to see what shakes out with Lamar Jackson, but the encouraging thing is uh, Andrews has shown us that it might not matter who's throwing him the ball. And he's coming off an absolute tear of a stretch of the last three games, 28.5 against Cleveland, 35.6 against Green Bay, and then 20.5 against Cincinnati. Things are looking good. Do you think that he is a major difference maker for us this week? I don't, I don't know, man. Um, he is on a hot streak and he's done it with what three different quarterbacks um, over the past month, um, which is great. Three of his top four, actually his second, third and, and fourth highest scoring outputs of the season have come uh, since week 14, which is great. Um the Rams have not been kind um, to opposing tight ends uh, really all season and especially of late. Now the silver lining is they haven't really played exactly a murderer's row of tight ends um, in recent weeks. I mean, we got Josiah Deguara uh, from Green Bay, James O'Shaughnessy, um, Zach Ertz uh, with Arizona, um, Gerald Everett and Tyler Conklin. So, I mean, it, that's part of it. You know, that's part, there aren't many guys like Andrews um, and you're not really necessarily holding any of those other tight ends in check with them having poor output because they generally have poor output every week. It's not necessarily a function of the Rams, you know, holding them down per se. So yeah. I, I have the typical optimism I would have for Andrews in any given week, but I'm also just, you know, kind of curious as to whether it actually might be better for either one of our teams uh, to have the backup tight end go off and for Andrews to, to face plant um, when you're trying to, to, you know, have a, a, you know, a variance week basically. So I am curious, I mean, e either way, you know, Andrews is going to be one of the higher end players, I think um, in the, in the tournament uh, for, of the remaining team. So, you know, whether, whether he smashes or he doesn't, you know, a lot of teams are going to be equally affected it's probably obviously better overall if he does smash because we don't have to worry about, you know, keeping up with the, the few Travis Kelsey teams that may have been able to weather the storm um, of late to make it through. Uh, you don't, you don't want to end up having a big, you know, gap to close at, at tight end, but I am curious who your backup is or backups are on that team. I only draft, I only covered him with one, one tight end. Um, and it is Mike Gesicki. So I did pull the trigger a little earlier than you would expect for tight end two on a Mark Andrews team. Unfortunately, Gesicki also has a really tough matchup with the Titans, um, who aren't allowing any points to opposing tight ends. And they actually have faced some solid ones lately. They, they allowed just 4.1 PPR to George Kittle last week and 7.7 .7 to Pat Fryermuth uh, the week before. So I don't have high hopes for Gesicki to, to cover me up, but I'm just curious who your T2 is, Dave. 
Yeah, so this team um, actually has three tight ends, which normally I wouldn't have done um, with a player like Andrews already in my lineup. But one of the things that I really focused on was having a couple of different roster constructions that I could work with, uh, specifically with some of the tight ends that I was going to have high uh, exposure to. So my backup is Dalton Schultz, who delivered 18.2 points for me last week and actually was instrumental in moving me ahead yeah, and then I also have Tyler Conklin. Um, now, Schultz matches up with um, Arizona um, this week in I th- what for me is going to be a really interesting game because I also have James Conner. We'll have to see if he goes. And then my quarterback is figures to be Dak Prescott as my other quarterback is Matt Ryan. So I'm going to be watching that one very closely. Oh, wow. Yeah, you're going to be you're going to be watching every snap of that one. Yes. Um, well, that's yeah. So that's it. You know, I think. The Cardinals um, have been a, a tough spot as well, but th- th- actually the their their opposing tight ends they faced of late um, it, it's even more laughable. Uh, it's even more laughable than we were talking about a minute ago. Mo Ali Cox, Shane Zilstra, Kendall Blanton. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so you know, listen. I mean, Schultz is having a transcendent year for him. Um, I think the thing with the Cowboys offense is just, you know, he's actually been kind of more of the constant and it's been, you know, which receiver is going to pop along with them. So that's great. Um, I, I, I like that for you on that team, especially not knowing if you're going to have Connor, um, suiting up. It's nice that you have some Schultz coverage, even if Andrews were to blow up, you, you know, Schultz potentially finds his way into your lineup again, like he did last week. So, um, well, this has been fun. Those are the guys that we can root for um, together. Unfortunately, not as much overlap as we would have hoped on these two teams <laughs> that ended up making it through. But that yep. just goes to show you, I mean, di- you know, different combinations of of many different types of players, you know, can get you through to the end. It's not just about having to have expo- I mean, for example, you don't have Cooper Cup on that squad. Um, you yep. don't have Devontae Adams on that squad. You still got it through because of the mix of players you had. And that's what's so much fun about best ball. Um, so thank Yeah. Thanks for pulling those guys out. And uh, man, I, I know we're going to be sweating for each other's rosters um, almost as much as our own. And it's just going to be a really fun close to the season here, Dave. Yeah. I, I mean, the thing is basically any teams out there, that have any relationship to Rotoviz, we take, uh, you know, we live vicariously through because, you know, it's just more confirmation that what we're doing here is helping people, that the tools are supporting good decision making. Uh, and it's just always, you know, fun to hear about teams doing well. So we hope that everybody out there brings home as many championships this weekend as they possibly can. We're sending you good vibes. And Curtis, on this Friday, you need to really send us off with some inspiration. Okay. Well, th- the first thing is I got to have something in it for, for those listeners that don't have anything left on the line other than like D- DFS. So maybe you didn't make a bunch of title games or you don't have a, a team left in one of the big tournaments. I'm looking forward to 2022 um, with tons of energy right now. I am so excited to be going into the dynasty new year, cutting up prospects and Dave, we launched the pre-sale of the 2022 Rotoviz Fantasy Football Rookie Draft Guide. Uh, it's available on the site now. Go to rotoviz.com. You can get all three 
issues reserved for just $14.99. That price is not going to be good for much longer. Uh, might leave that up through the weekend before uh, the hike. So if you're listening to this and you haven't reserved your copy, head over to rotaviz.com, reserve it now. You can see 2022 Rookie Guide right on the top menu bar of the site, and it's very easy to reserve. As soon as those issues are completed, each one, we have a pre-combine, post-combine, and a post-NFL draft. As soon as they publish, the second that they publish, they show up in your email inbox and you're ready to go. Uh, it's me, Sean, Dave, Blair, Travis May. Uh, you know, we, we collaborate and coordinate our rankings for all the major uh, popular dynasty formats. You're going to get great um, analysis, great uh, statistics uh, and metrics on each of the different positions that have you know proven to be successful um, when you put you know when you put the uh, the analysis into practice. So really excited about this. I was actually able to draft up uh, the cover for Volume One today, featuring Garrett Wilson. I'm really excited about it, and just really <laughs> gets my juices flowing. So 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 that's the first thing I would say. Hey, if if you're super into Dynasty or this year didn't go the way that you wanted it to, and you're just ready for next year. Um, go get that um, and, and just get that out of the way. And then you don't have to worry about it. It's going to show up in your email inbox, you know, uh, toward probably the third week of January, that first issue. Um, and then the second thing is, man, just stay positive about your chances this weekend. There is zero chance that I think, I mean, I've already won the underdog best ball mania too in my <laughs> mind, Dave, I've seen it happen. <laughs> I've seen it happen in my mind's eye. I've looked at this lineup. I have seen how perfect it is and how everything is just going to go the right way. Um, and, you know, hopefully those of you listening who are in similar spots have that same optimism about your teams. If you don't, that's fine. I'll just have more positive vibes from the universe feeding into that lineup. Um, and I even had one DeAndre Swift saying that God put him on earth to play football. What a quote for week 17 as he returns to my lineup. So DeAndre Swift's got me juiced. Our 2022 rookie guys got me juiced. And all of our Rotoviz teams competing for big, big monies have me juiced. Dave, we'll, we'll kick it back next week and hopefully we'll be celebrating a big win. Oh man, I hit the wrong sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, that's perfect. Let's leave that in. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the RotoViz <laughs> Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214. And make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. <laughs>